Yeah, to view it as a family. And we saw a lot of that from the last group that just graduated, those kids who just got promoted out into Kaya. They were really starting to experience that, like, oh, this is family. These are actual, like, some of them would say, these are my best friends about people in this room, which is maybe different from how you feel right now. That's totally fine. Maybe you don't feel like I have a best friend in this group. No worries, right? I met my, uh, I had a best friend in high school, his name was Cameron, and we were really tight, and from 8th grade all the way until my senior year, we hung out a lot, we swam together, we were in band together, we did all the same activities. After I got saved my sophomore year, and I told him about that, he started considering the gospel, and then he gets saved uh, at some point in that summer. And then our relationship dynamic changed, and then we were even closer, and I would call him my best friend, and then we graduated, and then he went to Mizzou, and then I stayed in Kansas City, basically. And then he's the only person from high school that I ever talked to, like, from high school. The only person ever that I talked to or I see, and he came by yesterday. He stopped by, brought his son, and... His son got to meet some of my daughters, and it was kind of cool to be reunited, but it was like so surface level. I mean, it was just like not, it was a shadow of what it used to be when we were in high school. I mean, we, we were really close. But do you know who my best friends are now? It's the people I'm rolling with in ministry. I mean, these people are everything to me. These people are literally family to my children, to me and my wife, and I can trust them, and, and they can trust me, and we've got each other's backs, and we are as close as people can be, I think. Our souls are knit together, and you can have that same thing when you connect in and you buy in here with us. Any other seniors? Mm, I can think of a couple. Jose, come on. Jose, do you want to share? What you shared last time was actually great. He's pretty bold. No worries. Anybody else? He said no right now. Mazzy, you senior? You senior? You want to share? No. No, <laughs> no okay. What would you like for this group to be like? I don't know. Tennis. More tennis. <laughs> More tennis. Nothing? Happy. Happy. <laughs> Good. We want to be happy. I like it. Okay, so let's let's get into the word. Yeah? Can we do that? So we're talking about building for tomorrow. I'm going to share just a few verses and um, some principles and some practicals. But we're going to talk about who we are as a high school class. So grab your hand out there, grab your Bible, grab your pen or your pencil, whatever you need to jot down some notes. I'm going to switch gears here. We could turn that on. <clears throat> Everybody ready? Groovy. Let's do this. So we're a new group, and who we are as a high school class is created by two things. Okay, Two things that create who we are. Number one, what Christ did at the cross. So uh, what did Jesus do when he died? He poured his blood out right, to pay for our sin. And what did that do? When Jesus died on the cross... And He redeemed you. 
He reconciled you to God. What did that do to us? Well, if you're born again, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've received His, you've received that grace, then you're a child of God, right? And if I've done the same thing, then we are both children of God. And how do we relate to each other now? We're brothers and sisters. We're brothers. We're sisters. Whatever. We're brother. We're, we are related spiritually. We are a family. No matter how you feel about one another, no matter practically what your relationship looks like amongst us, amongst this group, we are a family, and God is our Father. Does that make sense? So that's one thing that creates who we are. We ought to view each other in that way. Uh, and that will influence how we look at the world and at one another and how we look at God, knowing that we are united by His blood. But number two, what creates um, who we are is practically how we go about obeying our Father, how we go about obeying the Great Commission as a group of high school students and adults. Yeah. Right? That's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah. They were all sitting there so quiet. And we thought that you did great. Loud. <laughs> yeah, this is something. Cool. I like it. That's uh, that's that's the tomorrow we're building for, right? That's that's it. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay, so here's some specifics of how we're going to practically and strategically obey the Great Commission as a group of high school students and adults. Like I said, our identity is created by Jesus, and our identity is created by what we do. How we obey God. And what has God told us to do? He told you to go win souls and make disciples. Does that make sense? I don't know if you knew that, but when you walked in this room and you said, I'm a part of this group. Well, if you're a part of this group, then your identity is, is described. Your identity is solidified. Your identity is made up by how you practically obey God. Does that make sense? My children in my home are my children because my wife and I made them, right? And they can't undo that. There's nothing they can do about that. But my children represent me when they're in their kid town classes right now. And whether they obey or disobey, right, is, uh, is a sign of who they belong to, what my home looks like, what my expectations are, Right? But their behavior is also, like, it shows who they belong to. Okay, so amongst their classmates, they talk about who obeys and who doesn't. They talk about who's mean and who's not. They talk about these things. So all of your little siblings, I know all of it. I know all the inside scoop, right? I know what your house is like based on how those children behave. Does that make sense? And so we are representing God's home. We are God's children. And how we obey Him is going to create the dynamic and it's going to create the identity of who we are. Is this making sense so far? So what does it look like? How are we going to, as a group, obey the Great Commission? How are we going to obey God and be used by God? And, and what does it look like? Well, number one, as you see up here, we expect to see God work. This class expects to see God work. Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So in other words, all this busy work that we can do, 
decorating the classroom, getting up here, singing songs, running the tech team, setting out donuts and coffee, having big fun events, having parties, having all these act, this activity. Unless God is doing something in the hearts of young men and women, we are wasting our time. That makes sense? And so one side of that idea, that concept is, we want you to enjoy your time here. We really do. Like, what kind of weirdos would, would want to have a time and a space that's not fun and entertaining and engaging for you guys? We want that. But that's not the objective. Right? In other words, if, if you show up on a Sunday morning and you're not entertained, I think you might be refreshed by this. If you're not entertained, who cares? Right? Like, okay, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm actually not here to entertain you. I'm not. I'm not here to babysit you. None of the adults are. We're not here to make this as fun and as exciting of a time for you as it can be. We're not. That's not what we're doing. But what we are doing is we are praying for you. And we are praying and trusting that God will reveal Himself to you. And that He will lead and guide you. And that He will break your heart for what breaks His. And that He'll use your life. And He'll make you fruitful. And He'll give you purpose in this time. And in our activities. And in our events. That God will build people's lives. That He'll build the church through you guys. That's what we're doing here. Does that make sense? And I would argue that that's far more entertaining and engaging than anything else that we've ever done and that we could ever do. Think about this on Promotion Tuesday. I'm going to try not to refer to the past because this is a new group or new people. But just for the sake of example, I think it's important. So think about this. Brooke. Everybody knows Brooke. Brooke is the girl who came from Grandview and she just got uh, graduated out. Takaya, Lydia is discipling her. Think about this. Okay. Brooke was in my freshman English class during COVID. We were all wearing masks. We were all spread out in my classroom. It was creepy and weird. It was the worst thing ever, okay? I'm sitting at my desk. She's over literally as far away from me as could possibly be, right? She's on the opposite corner. My desk is in this corner. She's over there. I just give them assignments on my laptop. English. And then they open their laptop. Robot. English. And we're just, it's not school, it's stupid is what it is. It's just stupid. And I'm supposed to like be a teacher to them. So I get up, I'm like, well, I guess I'll go meet these randos that just showed up in my classroom for the first time in six months. So I'm walking around. I don't remember anyone else in that class. I don't even remember what hour it was. But I remember meeting Brooke. I went up to her and she engaged in conversation and we talked a little bit about music and the music that she likes. And it was like, oh, well, this is a person. And she wants to, like, talk. And then a couple days later, she says, can I stay in your classroom after school to wait until soccer practice begins? I said, sure. Sounds good, whatever. i got to hang around here anyways. So she sits over by the door. And I'm still over here in this corner. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, cool, I guess. And we try to strike up conversation every once in a while. She stays in my classroom after school for multiple days. And on some of the days, I try to talk. And some of the days, I could tell she's just sitting there waiting for soccer practice. No problem. And then eventually, we begin talking more and more and more. And we start talking about spiritual things. Because that's just what comes up. 
because that's what I cared about most. So I'm gonna, if I'm starting a conversation, that's what I'm going to try to bring that conversation to. And then eventually, I invite her to the spring retreat. It's kind of weird. Can you imagine an adult inviting you to a youth retreat? Can you imagine that? What would you do if one of your teachers said, hey, do you want to come on a camping trip with me? <laughs> you would say, no. Let me help you here. You would say, no. Everybody say, no. That's good. You say, no. Okay. But I tried to lay it out in such a way that it was like, hey, it's a bunch of teenagers. Okay. It's for teenagers. And there's going to be, I'm a supervisor of, the, like, we're just adult supervising. But it's for teenagers. You should come to this retreat, this church retreat. And so she agrees. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's actually coming. And her uncle brings her. And drops her off. And she's there. And she's super quiet. I don't know if you remember, Brooke. She did not talk. She never spoke to anyone. She was right here. She sat in the very back during the preaching sessions. I remember it. And I remember I came up and we gave some form of altar call. And Tegan Kimball, who's working fifth grade right now, she she's there and whatever interaction happened between me and Tegan that said, hey, go check on her. Because it, it was a call to salvation. Tegan goes back there. Tegan says, hey, what do you think about salvation? Do you know if, you, if you're saved, if you need to be? And Brooke says, I need to be saved. Tegan leads her to Christ at spring retreat. And then the next year after that, after that school year, Brooke doesn't come to my class. The whole year. I'm like, Brooke, where'd you go? Right? Okay, so she's gone for like a year, and then I have her in class this year. And do you know what happened this year? Can I tell you what happened this year? She's in my class, and she's, she's back here at church, and she's starting to connect a little more. And some of you begin connecting with her, and then she starts to like wake up, Right? And she sees life for what it is, and she sees the Bible for what it is, and she sees a relationship with God for what it is and what it can be, and she sees love and investment from the church as what it is and what it can be, and she's regularly coming to my class every day, multiple times during the day, stays after every day, right, comes in in the morning. And sometimes when she comes in, she pours her heart out. She's got this burden. She's got this issue. She's got this trouble. And she's just like, hey, can I talk to you real quick? Can I, she would say, sometimes she'd say, uh, what's it called? Can I, can I vent? Or what's, can I rant? Can I ramble? One of those words. And she would like ask me permission. I'm like, yeah, sure, please, go ahead. And then she would just lay it all out. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You were feeling all those feelings? You were holding on to those feelings? You should have gave those to somebody months ago, weeks ago. Yes, please. Let's work through it. And we would work through the thoughts and the feelings. And do you know what happened? Over a year of that, she is like my kid. She's like my kid. She's like one of my daughters. We spent eight hours every day together. And then she was spending time with you guys on the weekends and in events. And she's receiving love and care from Kylie. Right? And now all of a sudden she's like part of the family. And then we had to kick her out. Oh, and then you know what that felt like? It felt like 
We were so excited because as a group, we get to graduate somebody who's a disciple. She gives a care about this thing. She wants to walk with God. She's received love and investment. And now she is, she was being fruitful. She was inviting people in and she was saying to people, hey, you should come be part and see what I'm getting. See what I've been receiving and receive some for yourself. And so then all of a sudden, Kira pops up. And then Kira is saying things that are similar to what Brooke said. She's saying things like, I never had a youth group. This is a youth group. Take advantage of this. Right? This is like, I feel love here. Okay. I didn't do anything super spiritual. Do you understand? I didn't do anything. I was just expecting God to do something. God, do something. It's COVID. It doesn't make any sense. We're literally shut down. The world is shut down. So God, could you give me a disciple? And then I was just being a teacher. And then she comes to a retreat. And then one of the students is just being a friend, a student. So she asks her what she's thinking. And then she gets saved. And then she comes around. And then she receives investment. She receives love. We're not doing anything spiritual. We're just expecting God to change a life. Does that make sense? It's not... Like, mystical. It's very practical and easy, but it starts with expectation that God is going to do it. We're not just putting on activities. We're expecting God to show up and move in people's lives. So here's what we do. Here's our part. We pray and ask Him for that work to be done by Him. Here's a couple of things. Three things that we pray, or how we pray. First, we pray for open doors. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, Paul says, Hey, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. He says, Hey, pray for me to be able to preach the gospel. Pray for open doors. Pray for utterance. Pray for those Moments where I can tell people about Jesus. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He knew that he he was required to preach the gospel. So he says, hey, pray for me to be able to do that. We pray that God gives us in this group, we pray that God gives us divine appointments between us and the lost so we can speak the truth of the gospel into people's lives and hearts. You don't have to push down a door. What am I talking about? What does that mean? You don't have to push down a door. Do you want to preach the gospel? Raise your hand if you want to preach the gospel. Be honest. If you don't want to, don't raise your hand. It doesn't matter. But if you want to, okay, those of you with your hands raised, you want to preach the gospel, you don't have to go kick a door down to do so. What do I mean? I I mean, you don't have to just roll up to somebody random and be like, have the magic words ready so that you can just lay out the gospel. Like sometimes if I'm... If I'm like in a public setting, a small public setting, imagine the car auto mechanic shop. You know, the waiting room? Or a bus stop. Imagine you're driving by and you see a bus stop. I saw a bus stop over near 40 Highway in Lowe's. don't know if you know what I'm talking about. There's like Sterling in 40. Anyways, there's a bus stop. And there was like 15 people at this bus stop. And I was thinking, I was at the stoplight, and I was like, I want to go preach over there. I want, to go, I want to pull my car over and I want to go over there with all 15 of those people and I just want to start preaching the gospel. I just really wanted to. But I didn't. I didn't. 
Now, could I have? Sure. Whatever. But sometimes I feel this urgency. I'm like, ah, I got, I have to preach it. Because if I don't, then I might be disobedient. And if I don't go preach, and if I don't go make something happen, then maybe I'm disappointing God. Does that make sense? Maybe you feel similarly. I don't know. But there are times where I feel pressure and I feel urgency that isn't actually from the Lord, but may just be from my, mm, I have to please what it really is, is myself that I checked that box, that I preached the gospel because I knew I was supposed to. Ah, got it. Good. Okay, now I'm good. Does that make sense? But what's much better and what is more biblical is to just say, God, would you give me an open door? And would you just give me this connection, this, this divine appointment with this, whoever it'll be, so that I can talk about the gospel. And I'm just going to wait on you for that. And then when you're just doing your regular thing, you're just being a teacher and you walk the room because that's what teachers do. Then that conversation starts and you're like, oh, here it is. Wow. What's so cool is I didn't have to make that happen. God opened a door. Does that make sense? So we pray for those. There's no need to push down a door. Just ask for an open one. And um, here's what we do as a group. Hey, high school class, this is what we do. We pray for lost people to be saved. That's what we do. Pray for open doors. Pray for lost people to be saved. That's part of our, our, part of our identity. Secondly, we pray with genuine faith. Okay, so let's talk about how we pray. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Okay, so in other words, we, in our prayers for loss... In all of our prayer, in all of our anything that we're doing with the Lord, for the Lord, we pray with confidence that God hears us and answers us because He said He does. We believe and trust what God says. Hebrews 4 verse 15 to 16 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sins. Check this out. Here's what we have access to. Would you let this verse here, would you let it just kind of sink in? Would you believe this verse right here? I think your depression, I think your frustration, I think your anxiety, I think your worries might be a little bit eased by this verse if you'll just believe it. Just believe this. It says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I've got this circumstance. I've got this feeling. I've got these emotions. I've got this whatever. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know you do. Your life might literally suck. It might be really hard. And I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that's not true. Sure, that's true. Your life sucks. Okay. God doesn't. And God doesn't want you to just have a pity party, which we all are prone to do when things are hard. It's like everybody gets this equivalent of a dad cold. You know what happens when Kylie gets a cold? She raises our children and she cleans the house. You know what I do when I get a cold? I lay in bed for multiple days. Like, oh, it hurts so bad. My life. Oh. I'm like, I think I, I'm dying. Right? 
Moms, they're like, yep. Like, Kylie's literally, you know what I have to tell Kylie right now? She, okay, the other day, baby was delivered, and I'm sitting by her head, okay? Imagine I'm sitting here, Kylie's head is right here. She's laying on her back, her arms are spread out. They literally crucify you when you have a C-section, okay? Her (laughs) arms are out like this, I'm not joking. She's laying there, and then they've got this clear plastic cover. And then they've got her belly uh, open, and there's multiple medical people, a couple doctors here. And they take a really sharp knife, and they slice open the belly. And you would think, oh, okay, and then they pull the baby out, and it's cute, right? No. (laughs) No. One of the doctors on this side grabs her flesh. The other doctor on the other side grabs her flesh. And then both doctors on both sides just start ripping her open. I'm not joking, like literally ripping her apart. And then, and then they start digging like this woman's arm was inside my wife's abdomen. She's like reaching in there. And then you know what she's doing? She's pulling. She's pulling. And then I see, there's a baby. And she's pulling by the head. She's pulling, she's yanking and tugging on this baby by the head. And then, and then she grabs the umbilical cord and she unwraps one, unwraps two, unwraps three times this umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby and she's just yanking and then she gets under the pits and she, she pulls it out, cuts the placenta off, takes it over to the baby spot, all that stuff, right? (laughs) And then, and then like, it's strategic, then they've, They've got something to distract us with. Now there's a baby. So I'm like taking pictures and, oh, it's the baby. And, and I, they bring it over to Kylie. And I'm like, oh, good job. I'm proud of you. You made it. And we're just kind of admiring the baby. Meanwhile, they're like soldering and sewing and like piecing her back together in the middle here. And, and then they sew her all together. Right? They sew her all together and they wrap her up, bandage put her on all kinds of painkillers and then they send us to a room and then after we're there for a while they go to another room and then we're in this other room and then a couple of days later they say hey we want you to um, when you take a shower we want you to, to wash off and to make sure things are good and every once in a while they come in and they check the incision and then I remember I saw it for the first time well it's actually for the fourth time because <laughs> they've ripped my wife open four times over and over and over and over on the same spot. And do you know what I have to tell Kylie? I have to tell her, Kylie, last night, literally, last night, I said, Kylie, are you okay? She's like, yeah, just my incision hurts. I'm like, I honestly don't know what else to tell you, but stop getting up and moving around. Stop doing stuff. She's like walking up the street and back. She's like trying to clean up. She's like taking care of the kids. I'm like, Kylie, I will do it. I am fully capable of like carrying children and washing dishes and doing stuff. Sit down. Settle down. Calm down. Be still. Heal up, please, because I need you. I'm going crazy trying to raise three kids by myself. I need you to heal up and get right so so that you can actually help. But right now you're just... But she's got this drive in her that says, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. She's the opposite of some of us. Some of us are soft. And we get this wound in our soul and in our spirit, and we say, "Ah, 
I just give up. I just give up. My relationship with God, too hard. Connecting with people in this class, too awkward. Too hard. Oh, nope, not for me. And what I would say to you is, please, don't do that. Connect with us. But also connect with the Lord. Don't you know that whatever your issue is, God has a solution. And part of that solution is this. Come boldly before His throne. He hears your prayer. And if you don't believe that, you're nev- you will never get victory over your feelings or circumstances. You can come talk to me. You can follow me around. You can come talk to all the adults. You can talk to them a thousand times. And if you don't go to the Lord, you will not get victory. I can't solve your problem. And no one else in this room can. Go to Him. Go to Him, please. Because He does have a solution and He's going to use us So let me just say the same thing to others. Hey, why do you think the adults are in your life? It's to help you. Now we're going to say, hey, come on, follow me. And we're going to take you to the throne room. Right? We're going to take you to the one who has the real solution. But you had better submit to how we lead you and guide you there. Because if you don't, you're saying, no thanks, I got this on my own. Or no thanks, I'm just going to give up. I'm just, it's too hard. Does that make sense? But we as a group... We come before the Lord with confidence. And when you lack that confidence or that faith that God hears your prayer and that God wants to to be with you in whatever it is you got going on, then you ask Him for help. Mark 9, verse 23 and 24. You probably uh, maybe have heard the story, but there's a father and his kid is messed up. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If you want me to to heal this kid. I can. You just have to believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, he says, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. So maybe you feel like I want to come boldly before the throne, but I just have some doubts or some hesitations. Well, cool. Welcome to the club. Right? You just need to tell the Lord about it. So we... Trust God that He is who He says He is. We're just going to believe Him. Right? We're going to believe Him. He is who He says He is. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But here's who God is. But it's long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We believe that God is long-suffering. We believe that God is good. We believe that God is all of the same things that the fruit of the Spirit bears in your life, right? He is love, and He is joy, and He is peace. He is long-suffering. He's gentle. He's meek. He's got all of the qualities that you would want in a person that you have to go tell about all your problems, right? But He's also got all the qualities that you would want to introduce that hurting friend of yours to. Hey, you've got all this baggage and these issues going on. Hey, I've got somebody who you want to talk to who can help you. We believe that that is who He is. And we believe that He's not willing that any should perish. He's not turning away anyone. He's not declining any appointments that you request of Him. He's willing 
that you and I and all of our lost friends would come to Him. We trust God that He will do what He says He will do. And so John 15, 5-7, you see uh, basically that uh, Jesus is, is giving us a recipe. If you want to be fruitful, then you abide in Him. And if He's abiding you, you're abiding in Him, that He's going to make you fruitful. He's going to bring souls in your life. And so if you don't have fruit in your life, if you don't see people are coming alongside you in your faith and in your walk with the Lord, then, then the solution for you is probably to abide in the Lord. Maybe you need to revisit what does quiet time look like for you? What does prayer, what does your prayer life look like? If you're miserable, you're probably not praying. Did you hear that? If you're miserable, you're probably not praying. <coughs> right? You can have a, like Kylie, right now is probably going through it more than any of us. Because we're here, and we didn't get ripped open a couple days ago. But also she's got that post-birth baby blues thing going on. So not only is she ripped open physically, but just mentally and emotionally, there's a lot going on. She's processing quite a bit. And you know what she's doing? She's praying a lot. And she gets to a place of peace. And then you know what happens? It all falls apart. And she's miserable. And then you know what she does? She prays. She's got her journals ready. And she's praying. And she's got worship music. And it's a battle. And she's working through it until the place here in a week or two where she can finally even out and level out. God will get her through that. And you and I have to do the exact same thing. We just pray through it. God will even it out. He'll give us peace. Third thing of prayer is this. Thirdly, we, we pray with fervor. So we pray for the lost to be saved. We pray in genuine faith, believing that God is who He says He is and He does what He says he, He's going to do. And then we pray with fervor. We pray with some intensity. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, when you get accurate in your prayer, when you're praying according to God's will, and you get fervent in your prayer, you care what your prayers are about. You care about what you're praying about. When you line that up, your mind and your heart, with God, those are prayers that He answers and honors. Does that make sense? We pray with passion and intentionality because God working and moving in our lives is important to us. And He honors that. When I started at Grandview, I prayed for salvations a lot. I prayed for salvations, professions of faith. And there were years where ten kids got saved. Like 10 kids are making professions of faith. And I thought that was wonderful. I was like, God's answering my prayers. And He did. And then I began to think, where the heck are all these kids? Where'd they go? Like, maybe they make a profession of faith, and then I literally never see them again. I'm like, this isn't right. He's honoring my prayer, but I'm not getting what I thought I was supposed to get. Oh, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to make disciples. So then I, I remember I switched. I was like, okay, God, will you give me one disciple? I'll take salvations. I'll take it. But give me one disciple. Did he answer that prayer? If you've been listening, hello? And he, and he did multiply it too. Because there's Brooke, and there's Kira, and there's Chris. 
Hello? And then whenever they start making disciples, oh, come on. Right? God is moving in people's lives. And we just pray for it. We just ask God for it. With some intentionality, with some passion. God is interested in us connecting our heart and mind and our life to His. And here, here's a way you can, you can think about it. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. They that sow, imagine sowing the seed. Sowing the gospel. Imagine preaching. Talking to people about the Lord. They that sow, plant. In what? In tears shall reap, right? You're picking the fruit. You're taking in whatever you planted. Salvation, discipleship. They shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So we're praying genuinely and fervently for open doors with the lost. And, and when we get them, um, when we get those open doors, we're going to do our best to take them. There's an open door. I'm going to just, I'm going to be desperate and ask God for salvation. And then he's going to answer it. Have you ever, have have you ever wept for a soul? Not wept when you were crying. Not what I'm talking about. Your emotionalism, where you feel like, I'm so spiritual because I'm about to cry right now. Not what we're talking about. That's kind of manipulative and gross. I'm talking about, you knew there was a person in your life, and you knew they were going to, to burn in hell for eternity, and they're going to be separated from God forever. And that, that's not the worst. The worst is that they could spend eternity in heaven with a Father who loves them. It's what they're missing out on that is the true tragedy. It's not what they're going to experience. That's terrible. But it's what they're missing out on that really provokes and breaks your heart. God could do so much in their life. They could be free from the bondage of their sin and the consequence of it for sure. But their sin, they're just trapped in it. It's drugs, it's sex, it's whatever it is that's got a hold of them. God, would you free them? Would you save them? Would you deliver them? Have you ever been to the point where you're so desperate for that and that your heart is so connected with God's over it that you feel how He does for them? You know how He feels about it? Do you know how God feels about those people? He showed you how He feels about them. He literally died to win them. That's some passion, right? That's the passion. And that's the passion that we have to have on behalf of the lost. Does that make sense? And that is the goal for this group, that we pray for the lost to be saved, we pray with genuine faith, and we pray with fervor. And again, as those doors open, then we take them and we try to preach the gospel. And next week, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about what does that look like for us to sow, it's okay, you pull that up, to sow the seeds of God's Word. That's what we do as a group. We're preaching the gospel. Today we talk about prayer, tomorrow we'll, or next time we'll talk about preaching. And then, and then I want to talk also about hosting people, being a good host. And working through what does that mean? What does that look like for us as a group? Who are we as hosts? And then we're going to talk about fixing our hearts on Him. And we're going to talk about praising Him 
with our hearts. Those are some of our identifiers in this group. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we'll, uh, we will get out of here. We'll say hi to the middle schoolers as they come in. And, and then we will sit in the middle section. You're invited to sit with us up front in the middle. That would be a great time of praise and worship in there. But let's pray.